Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. We are what we do. Every day, 40% of what we do is done out of habit. 40% of the time, we're not paying attention. Confucius knew this long before a team of researchers at Duke University. And he had a lot to say about how paying attention and cultivating good habits could make us happier. Just think, we can choose to change nearly half our lives for the better. Confucius, who lived between 551 and 479 BCE, was a politician and the first great Chinese philosopher whose work we know. Like many of the Chinese philosophers of his time, Confucius did not see the world as some sort of harmonious cosmos. In fact, he saw life as an endlessly unfurling series of messy, fragmented encounters wildly governed by emotions and emotional reactions to emotions all run amok. In response, he created a vision of the good life, constructed one moment at a time. One moment of awareness, one choice, one gesture. It all rests, he said, on attention to our habits. This morning, I invite you to join me in a reflection on good habits, cultivated and practiced for the sake of peace, civility, and happiness. Long after his death, Confucius's most popular teachings were gathered in a book called The Analects. Contrary to popular opinion, The Analects is in no way a compendium of pithy, wise sayings. Confucius didn't provide instructions on a formula for finding yourself, and he didn't believe in divinely ordained rules. He really wasn't much for rules at all. Instead, Confucius urged his followers to hone their own skilled judgment about doing the right thing in the right place at the right time for the right reason. He didn't criticize doing things to amplify our own best interests, but he did say that everything we do should enhance the greater good. We are creatures of habit. Good habits are designed to cultivate empathy and understanding. The Analects is filled with anecdotes about Confucius's everyday habits because he understood that seemingly minor actions such as arranging the place where people would sit with him at the dinner table, would create a different environment that could affect them profoundly. A simple dinner table ritual, setting the table with placemats and napkins, lighting candles, 
Just that can break, create a break from the stress of the day and invite everyone into a different way of being together. Harvard Business School professor Francesca Gino proved that having a little ritual before a meal actually makes the food taste better. Modern research has proven that consistent family rituals encourage the social development of children and increase feelings of family cohesiveness by more than 17%. Confucius says, say grace. In these perilous times, my sense is that a lot of us are feeling that in order to right the course of history, we need to make some grand gestures of defiance. This sermon began when I turned again to Confucius for counsel. He wouldn't dispute that we need to think big, but the heart of his vision of transformation is the reminder never to underestimate the power of small, repeated gestures to fire up big changes. At the heart of his teachings about good habits is the question, how are you living your life? Not in the largest sense, but at the most granular level. He wants us to zoom in on the tiniest details. If we interrupt the rote way in which we do so many things, everything changes. What if, for starters, every time we say thank you, we breathe in that feeling of gratitude and breathe it back out into the world? Make it a habit. In his iconic Man's Search for Meaning, psychiatrist and Nazi death camp survivor Viktor Frankl writes, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. In their book, The Path, What Chinese Philosophers Can Teach Us About the Good Life, Harvard professor Michael Pruitt and his co-author, the Atlantic's Christine Gross-Lowe, writes, we often don't even notice how constantly our emotions are being drawn out from us, but our feelings sway back and forth depending on what we encounter. We experience something pleasurable and then feel pleasure. We encounter something frightening and subsequently feel fear. A toxic relationship makes us feel despair. An argument with a coworker makes us feel livid. A rivalry with a friend arouses jealousy. We find ourselves experiencing certain emotions more often than we do others, and our responses then become patterned habits. This is what life is about moment after moment in which people encounter one another, react in an infinite number of ways, and are pulled to and fro emotionally. None of us can escape this, a child on a playground or the leader of a great nation. Every single human event is shaped by the world of our emotional experiences. But all is not hopeless. We can refine the way we react. Everything we do either expresses goodness or detracts from it. We know how the energy in a room can change in an instant when someone comes bursting in. 
Have we noticed, though, how someone who frowns at us as we pass them on the street can begin a cascade of negativity? Over the course of the day, how many people are affected by our reaction to that frown? As it turns out, UVA professor Tim Wilson has proven that our mood does not shape our behavior. Our behavior shapes our mood. It's not thinking that you're a good person that makes you altruistic. It's the opposite. When we do good, we see ourselves as good. Confucius taught that we should train ourselves to stop responding randomly to what happens and instead cultivate our emotions by creating lots of good habits, elevating them to the level of ritual, and practice, 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 so we can respond to whatever life throws at us with some measure of grace. Try seeing what happens to your day when you smile, say hello, hold open the door for a stranger, give up your seat. Turning to ritual and overcoming the self, says Confucius, is how one becomes good. In Washington, D.C. last weekend, it became apparent that those of us who had converged on the city to march were seriously challenging all the systems that keep society in order. People were stranded for hours on metro platforms as trains filled to capacity and beyond capacity groaned past. The streets clogged in one gargantuan tangle. No one was taking even one step, let alone marching. Ambulances stalled at the edges of massive crowds. It would have been so easy for everything to break down in a dangerous conflagration of frustration and nerves. Instead, we were kind. People waited with massive patience to travel in and out of the city. We shared food and water, passed along information as it reached us, remained cheerful and enthusiastic. Everyone kept their eyes on the children, the elders, and the fragile. Off-duty people with medical training responded to emergencies while others strategized exit routes. Somehow, everyone agreed to help, all in. Everywhere I looked, my eyes rested on a rainbow of beautiful, open faces, heartbroken and hopeful. We are not alone. On the drive home to Boston, the good spirit continued. People honked and waved. Alongside the highway, birds perched in treetops, reminding us of the planet we are trying to save. In snaking lines for the women's restrooms, strangers talked and laughed like friends. The words to today's anthem sounded in my heart. Remain patient and sincere. Every living thing is rising as one. Through this, we observe the return to the root. Beloved spiritual companions, we are what we do. The good life is a life lived for the greater good. One moment of awareness, one choice, 
one gesture at a time. Everything we do either expresses goodness or detracts from it. If we interrupt the rote way in which we do so many things, everything changes. Never underestimate the power of small, repeated gestures to fire up big changes. I close with Judith Hill's Wage Peace. Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in firemen and rubble. Breathe out whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds. Breathe in terrorists and breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown fields. Breathe in confusion and breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen and breathe out lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening, hearing sirens pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers. Make soup, play music, learn the word for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. Think of chaos as dancing raspberries. Imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of a fish. Swim for the other side. Wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. Don't wait another minute. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.